Welcome to the Women's Wellness Psychiatry Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. I'm your host, Anna Glazer, MD, a reproductive and integrative psychiatrist here to help you make sense of the complex world of women's mental health. If your goal is to improve your emotional well-being, find fulfillment, and feel like your best self, you're in the right place. Welcome, my listener friends. In this episode, we're talking about traumatic childbirth. And so I want to just make mention that this can be a very difficult topic for those who have had this experience or have loved ones who have gone through this. So please keep that in mind in deciding when to listen to this episode. I chose this topic for this episode because I've been seeing more and more women present to my clinic describing traumatic childbirth experiences and suffering the emotional after effects, oftentimes symptoms of PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. You may be surprised or maybe not surprised to learn that almost 40% of women describe their labor and delivery experience as traumatic. Now, that's a very subjective kind of description. It doesn't necessarily mean that anything went wrong from a medical perspective, but it felt traumatic. One of the leading researchers in this field, Cheryl Beck, describes it as trauma is in the eye of the beholder. And the most common description that I hear from my patients is that they felt out of control and helpless during that labor and delivery. Often that can be due to poor communication between the clinicians and the woman delivering. In today's delivery rooms, there's often a focus on whatever is best for the baby and the mom can sometimes get forgotten. You know, that actually happens during pregnancy as well. One of the most common types of consultations that I receive from patients are those who want to talk to me, for example, about medications in pregnancy, and they've been given recommendations and information that really just focuses only on the well-being of the baby, and again, mom is getting forgotten. So that's a broader issue in today's society where we think a lot about what is best for the baby in utero, and we think less about the mom who's carrying that baby in utero. There's a few other themes that I want to mention that are related to women who describe their labor and delivery experience as traumatic. Some of the other aspects can often be poor pain management, lack of continuity of care, and that can definitely happen in today's hospitals where a lot of Clinical staff have, for example, eight-hour shifts or 12-hour shifts. And if you're in labor for 36, 48, 72 hours, you're seeing a lot of different rotations. And the third aspect is lack of privacy. There can often be many different individuals in the room when a woman is delivering, and the woman might not necessarily even know who all of these people are. All of that really comes back to the locus of control that I'm talking about. It's a sense of something happening to you rather than with you or for you. Now, there's a few different kinds of risk factors that we should consider when thinking about who might be at higher risk for having a traumatic experience during labor and delivery. There's some risk factors before delivery and some during. Some of the risk factors to be aware of before delivering include if you have a history of some kind of trauma or abuse, particularly sexual trauma. If you have any symptoms of fear, anxiety, depression before delivery, or if you have tocophobia, which is the fear of childbirth. The thing about tocophobia 
It's a very specific type of phobia, type of fear, and it is very treatable. I've worked with a number of women with tocophobia, and we use cognitive behavioral strategies and exposure and response prevention strategies in order to help with this particular type of fear. Three risk factors for traumatic childbirth during delivery include if the delivery had a lot of different interventions or if it was an operative delivery, meaning if you had a C-section, especially an emergency C-section. Certainly feeling disconnected from clinicians and having poor communication and rapport with those clinicians. And finally, there's a higher risk in those women who deliver preterm and who have babies in the NICU, in the neonatal intensive care unit. So those are the different kinds of risk factors. And so when we're talking about risk factors, we're talking about what are these the risks for. And I think it's important to think about the potential consequences of having a traumatic labor and delivery experience. The number one consequence I want to share with you is that there is a risk of postpartum PTSD. And while about 40% of women describe their labor and delivery experience as traumatic, about 5 to 6% meet the formal criteria for PTSD. Now, that doesn't mean that a woman might not experience a number of the different symptoms of PTSD, but maybe doesn't meet the full criteria and the full definition of the condition. Let's review the symptoms of postpartum PTSD. The first I want to mention is avoidance behaviors. And that can be really challenging because oftentimes we're avoiding the triggers, the reminders of the traumatic experience. And that means oftentimes avoiding the infant, avoiding the baby, which leads to impaired bonding and an impairment in the mom-baby relationship. So certainly avoidance behaviors. Another aspect of the avoidance piece is sometimes avoiding reminders of the location, so the hospital or medical centers in general, and that can lead to a decrease in seeking out medical care when it's quite necessary. Another symptom of postpartum PTSD is intrusive thoughts and re-experiencing of the event, so that might be in the form of nightmares, or if it's during the daytime, it might be seeing a particular type of trigger, like seeing a pregnant woman on the street and being flooded with the emotions of the experience. There can be mood changes, for example, irritability, which can impact the marital relationship or the relationship with family or friends. It can be negative changes in thoughts and mood. It can be difficulty with concentration. Another important symptom is a change in arousal. So what that means is just kind of feeling always on edge, feeling like your sympathetic nervous system, the one that's responsible for the fight or flight response, is just always on. You're always watchful for danger. It's the part of the nervous system that activates, for example, if you're standing in front of a bear, except it's like you're standing in front of that bear 24-7 in your life. So those are some of the more common types of symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorders. And I think it's really important if you suspect that you have some of these to reach out, to ask for help. And I'll talk a little bit more about intervention later on in this podcast episode. So postpartum PTSD, whether it's the full criteria or just a few of the symptoms, is a significant consequence of having a traumatic childbirth experience. Some of the other consequences include impact on bonding with the baby. It can really impact the development of that relationship, 
which also in turn impacts the neurodevelopment of the baby. It can also have a significant impact on the relationship with the partner and future intimacy with that partner. And some of that is related to the actual experience. It could be also related to pain, and it could also be related to a fear of a subsequent pregnancy. Which leads me to the next consequence that I want to mention, the impact on future family planning. It can definitely lead to a desire to avoid another such experience, going back to that avoidance consequence that I mentioned. And that might change the desire to expand the family, to carry another pregnancy, and really shift the family dynamics compared to what was maybe previously expected or planned. There's a few other consequences I want to mention. As I mentioned before, as a risk factor, tocophobia, fear of childbirth, could also be a consequence. So if a woman didn't have a fear of childbirth before this experience, she may develop this particular type of phobia. And oftentimes with phobias, if you think about other types of phobias, like, for example, arachnophobia, a really common one, fear of spiders, when there is some kind of trigger, there often is a very physiological experience of panic and anxiety. And that can happen whenever there's a trigger related to childbirth. Another potential consequence is that it might lead in the future to certain kinds of choices to avoid medical care. That's one of the reasons that some women choose what's called uh, free birth, which is when there is no medical attendant of any kind at a delivery, which definitely can put a woman and baby at risk for various kinds of complications. And then one that I think oftentimes gets forgotten is the consequence of the reactivation of these kinds of symptoms around the anniversary of the event, of the traumatic childbirth. And oftentimes we think about an anniversary reaction in other kinds of traumatic experiences. So for example, if you were in some kind of major accident, or if you were a witness to a very difficult, violent event, we often think about the anniversary of that trauma as being a really vulnerable time. There can be the experience of symptoms leading up to that anniversary for weeks or even months, and then afterwards as well. The trouble here is that that anniversary is also the birthday of the child, and that can lead to very complex emotions, very interwoven emotions of both happiness, sadness, fear, dread, guilt, shame, all kinds of different emotions. And I think it's really important to recognize that traumatic childbirth experience is not just a one point in time. It can have far-reaching consequences quite a bit further into the future. Finally, I want to share that there is certainly about a 40% overlap between postpartum depression and postpartum PTSD. And oftentimes we do a lot of conversations about postpartum depression. It's something that's discussed quite a bit more than postpartum PTSD and is therefore recognized more often. We tend to screen for it, for example, both in OBGYN offices and in pediatricians' offices, but we often don't screen for postpartum PTSD. So some women might be misdiagnosed with postpartum depression when they in fact have postpartum PTSD, and that can change the treatment that can change the recommendations 
And I think it's important to know whether or not we're treating one or the other or both. I also want to mention the impact of COVID-19. And as expected, there have been more instances of descriptions of childbirth as traumatic in the context of COVID-19. And part of that is related to the fact that there's less support, there's more isolation, and there's higher pre-delivery anxiety levels with women who are now delivering in the context of this pandemic. So we have the fact that postpartum PTSD is a significant diagnosis. We have the impact and consequences of the traumatic delivery. We have the risk factors that we discussed. So let's also talk a little bit about protective factors. Having a traumatic experience is not inevitable if you have those risk factors. There's a number of different protective factors to consider. The first one is having a respected birth plan. And that really relates back to what I mentioned in terms of having a locus of control. When a birth plan is respected, a woman can often feel like she has control and she doesn't feel quite so helpless in this very daunting experience. Another is continuity of care, which makes sense given one of the risk factors is when there's poor communication or high turnover and less of a relationship between the clinician and the woman who is delivering. The third is education. So that goes back to communication as well. Oftentimes in a very busy type of labor and delivery setting, maybe there's a number of women who are having high-risk situations. There's a lot of emergencies. There can be poor communication and lack of taking the time to really educate the woman who's delivering about, well, here are the different potential options. And here's the reasons that I would recommend medically that we try this or that. And just giving her all of the information so that she can feel like she's making an informed decision and is educated on the different types of interventions. And she can understand why things are happening around her. Again, bringing back some of that locus of control. Two other protective factors have been shown to be postnatal support, support after delivery, and having time for skin-to-skin contact. I've written and studied on various ethical principles in medicine, and the key one is patient autonomy. That's a really important part of all of this, and that's why I keep talking about this locus of control for a woman who is delivering to have that sense of autonomy and self-determination goes a really long way to decreasing significantly the risk of experiencing labor and delivery in a traumatic fashion and the consequences of having that kind of trauma. There's been more recent data and research on the topic of birth trauma. One of the pioneers in the field is Cheryl Beck, and she's written many articles and in 2013 actually published a book on the topic, and I'll mention that in the show notes of this episode. And so if you're looking to learn more about this very, very important mental health topic, I would encourage you to look into some of the work that she's done. So finally, I want to talk about the treatment options for navigating the emotional consequences of a traumatic childbirth experience and symptoms of PTSD. Step one is recognition, hence this entire podcast episode. In this episode, we talked a lot about what is childbirth trauma, how common it is, some of the reasons why a woman would consider 
her experience as traumatic, all of that kind of going back to that locus of control. We talked about risk factors both before and during delivery and the consequences, including postpartum PTSD and the impact on relationships and the overlap with postpartum depression and the impact of COVID-19. We also talked a lot about protective factors. All of that was in the service of educating everyone who's listening on birth trauma and postpartum PTSD because the first most important step to navigating these emotional consequences of traumatic childbirth is recognition. Number two is seeking help from a professional who has expertise in working with trauma. There are medications that help with some of the physical symptoms, and there's psychotherapy, which is a gold standard to treat PTSD. There's different types of psychotherapy that have been shown to be helpful specifically with trauma and PTSD. Types of therapy such as cognitive processing, EMDR, somatic, and others. It's important to work with a clinician who specifically has experience in trauma and particularly in birth trauma. And finally, the third important option for treatment is getting connection and support. So there's a few resources that I would encourage you to consider. One is the TABS, Trauma and Birth Stress Program, which is out of New Zealand. And the other is Postpartum Support International. And I'll include links to both of those organizations in the show notes page. So really recognition, seeking help from a trained professional, and getting connection and support. So thank you for listening to this episode on childbirth trauma. I know it can be a very difficult topic for many, but I think that discussing it and becoming more aware of it, like I said, is the important first step to navigating those challenging emotional consequences of a traumatic childbirth experience. I look forward to connecting with you all next week. Thanks for joining me for this week's episode. As you know, my goal is to share with you the most helpful information that moves you towards emotional well-being. If you have suggestions or questions, I'd love to hear those. And I also always appreciate a rating that will help others find this valuable content. I'm looking forward to connecting with you again next week. Please note that while I am a clinical doctor, this podcast is not a substitute for nor should be taken as medical advice. No specific health advice is being given on this podcast and no physician-client relationship is created by you listening to this podcast. All information provided on this podcast is for informational purposes only.